Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are talking about 1992's The Cutting Edge. It is a fantastic... Uh, it's a fantastic ode to the unexplored love that can happen between hockey players and figure skaters. Fantastic. 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 <laughs> I don't know if that was like me slipping up a really bad Canadian accent. Um, and if it was, I'm very sorry. Um, fantastic might be an over-exaggeration. But um, compared to Leap Year, anything feels like a, a breath I mean, of fresh air. I mean, really anything is better than Leap Year. And I didn't realize... <laughs> Uh, I, I realized something um, recently, and that is, um, have you noticed that uh, the closer that we get to the present, like when we pass uh, the early 2000s, the closer that we get to this era in romantic comedies where the white people are even whiter than they were before? <laughs> it's like last week we were talking about how leap year... Um, feels extra strength, white straight. Um, Cutting Edge is a white movie. I mean, you know, it's starring white people, but it feels less white. There's more texture. Yeah, I mean, there is a thing about um, romances um, that happened, like, I would say, like, maybe, like, 2002 is the cutoff, but, like, and especially, um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm trying not to be ahistorical, but um, I'm sure that there there is a rich history of their romances, you know, being more, uh, being about more than just, like, two rich people who kind of wish they were richer and they're both white. Like, you know, they were they were romances about differences in class, differences in community, differences in in culture, like actual actually about things. Like uh there was a resurgence of that specifically in the eighties with um John Hughes movies, which were almost all about class and also a little racially coded in my opinion, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, at at a at a later date. Um but uh, so I decided that um, after the um, crest extra whiteness of Leap Year to go back to a white movie from 1992 um, where, you know, there were actual differences between the two people. Yeah. <laughs> like 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 actual, you know, like tangible differences that might actually keep them apart, which makes for more interesting storytelling, honestly. Yeah, it's a lot more interesting than, oh, you know, in 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm not 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. We were just talking about 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, <laughs> how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days when it's like we write for different magazines, you know? Oh, no, um, different magazines. Yeah, like I write about man stuff and you write, you write about woman stuff. <laughs> uh, the Cutting Edge, actually... There's a large class difference and there's cultural differences there um, that are real. And uh, I mean, as Jordan, as you said, a lot of the more recent rom-coms don't tread near class because it's about people who are already fairly well off who just, you know, want to be the richest person in their office. Yeah, I mean, and that's so much like as much as I, I cape for Sex in the City all the time, but I mean, that's essentially what Sex in the City is. It's about women who are well off that want to be more well off, but they also want to like hold on to their autonomy as they do it. They want their own success, but they also want a partner that is also successful. And like, it's about you know, social mobility, but through the eyes of women, <laughs> is yeah. essentially. It's a, it's a very, it's a socialite kind of brand of feminism. Yeah. Um, uh, and this, this movie actually deals with class. Um, I mean, yeah, and it's not a very good movie, but like in terms of like, it's a movie. Yeah. You know when you watch a movie and you're like, it's a movie. This was this was formed. This was It was a this movie. It has lines and moments that you can, you know, this was crafted meme. like someone cared. Yes. Somebody cared. Yeah. And that like I enjoyed watching this. Like like you said, it was a movie. I enjoyed this as a movie experience. Now, the couple themselves that it centers around that's the real drove problem. me up a wall. Um, and and as and as per usual, I should say who made this. Uh, this was written by Tony Gilroy, who is the screenwriter between for uh, 
four of the Bourne supremacy films, like the Bourne, the Jason Bourne films, he wrote four of those. He also wrote and directed Michael Clayton. He wrote and directed Duplicity. And he co-wrote Rogue One, a Star Wars tale. So, like, I wow. don't... So, like, this I is... I would not have expected a Rogue One co-writer to write this film. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's weird. Like, this guy... This is a guy who can write a screenplay. Um, uh, but <laughs> the big but here is that, like, maybe not the guy that you want to write your romance. Yeah, because it is well, I, I, I think it's well written. There are lines that annoy me, but that's more about the characters themselves annoying me than the writing um, and this was like, and this was his first screenplay. He went on to um, have credits. On, he wrote the screenplay for Dolores Claiborne, which is not a romance, um, <laughs> and uh, The Devil's Advocate. He wrote The Devil's Advocate and <laughs> and Armageddon. So wow, what I an interesting CV. I just this. I mean, this is an accomplished writer who maybe not romance. Um. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe, as you can see by the rest of his path, like it didn't, it wasn't, it's not a romance heavy path. Right, yeah. And it's like, and it's once again, like storytelling wise and script wise, like it's a really smart script. It's just, the real problem is that the romance in, in it doesn't really work. And uh, I should also say this was directed by Paul Michael Glazer, who uh, played Starsky on Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> That is a funny. That is a funny tidbit that people should know. Um, um, but he, yeah, he's also a director. He directed The Running Man and Kazam. Kazam! Wow. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with these. Me- like I, this is these are these are men. Like these are like these are like men, masculine men. men right here. Like. They write masculine male stories. Like, extremely masculine stories. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Huh. That's very interesting. It's because the one of my main um, frustrations is I don't believe these characters fell in love with each other. And it's not, not because at the all. acting's bad. It's because the script doesn't actually... It has them together a lot, and yeah. it has moments where they break through their um, their abrasiveness to to express kindness. But it never feels like there's an actual romantic connection. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really work. And I think, um, like, I don't. Okay, like Moira Kelly is a really interesting um, actress because she's kind of. I mostly kn- I mostly know her for how generally ignored she is as an actress. Like she was in the first season of The West Wing, and then she's not in any other ones. And then her character's completely forgotten. She plays replacement Donna in the Twin Peaks movie Fire Walk with Me because Laura Flynn Boyle didn't want to come back. She's on one. Tr- she was on One Tree Hill as like a single mom. Like this is a woman who uh, has been. She's been around, man. Yeah. Like she's been out here, but like she has I I personally I think she has the chops. Yeah. Just she hasn't been given the opportunities. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, it just a lot of just a lot of the work that she's done has either been ignored or like mowed over by other shit. Like and it's kind of it's one of those just things where it's just like really unfortunate in my opinion because she there's no reason why she couldn't have been a star i don't yeah i don't see why yeah um yeah she has the goods and it it does feel kind of like a snowballing effect um where you know she gets passed up for a few opportunities and then because she doesn't have you know maybe more big movies on her resume then someone else keeps getting the roles and then before you know it um yeah yeah um but uh but uh, but uh, in terms of DB Sweeney, who thought <laughs> who thought that DB Sweeney should star in a romantic movie? Whose idea was that? That bothers me. Yeah. Do you, did you do you get any sexual energy from DB Sweeney? 
No, not at all. None. Like, like he, <laughs> like I get horny energy. Like he's oh, yeah. very good at playing like the kind of horny hockey player who like you know um, scores it with women who are fans or or whatever. But I don't get actual like sexual or romantic energy and those are different and it honestly this might sound reductive but it makes me wonder if the men writing this know the difference <laughs> or or know how to write the difference between a horny male character and a male character who has like a sexual and romantic presence yeah because this yeah. guy seems like he loves getting it on and like he knows how to flirt but also like there's nothing romantic or sexual about him at the same time yeah yeah this is like a very like bro guy like and i don't i haven't seen like a ton of stuff with db sweeney i would say the last time i like paid attention to db sweeney it's like uh there was a movie about dorothy dandridge um called introducing dorothy dandridge that was starring um halle berry and she plays one of her want her white husband to like beats her <laughs> and that's like his whole role and you know what he's real convincing um <laughs> of, yeah like, yeah like, also <laughs> like this is horrible but like the, i mean as actors you have to accept that you have you're selling a look as well like he doesn't look he does. like a main um he doesn't look like a a, a he guy looks like in, a a, in a rom-com you he know looks, he looks and like a he looks like an like an irish hitman yeah like you don't need to be <laughs> like the same type like i i like it but like he he yeah he doesn't feel or look like a lead in a romantic movie and then the lines they gave him just kind of compounded that and i understand they they probably thought well this is supposed to be about a hockey player this isn't about you know um, a guy working at an ad agency in Manhattan, but it's still, yeah, I still don't feel it. Yeah, I'm just not, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it for him. Uh, and, and it's like, okay, so the film starts with, um, he wakes up, it, he wakes up late and he's in the bed with a woman whose name that he can't remember and he's late for a game and he, he's late for a game He's mad at her because she didn't set the clock at the right time, which is like, she's a guest in your house. Yeah. Why would she? Sorry, I didn't realize it was her responsibility to keep clock. your career in line. Bud. Especially because like you wanted her to set the alarm for you and you can't even remember her fucking name. Yeah, rude. <laughs> the gall. Yeah, the entitlement is. And like he just keeps on like trying to guess what it is. And then she's finally like Gita. I think her name is Gita. Yeah, it is Gita. Yeah. He, you know, he's like Anita, <laughs> Rita. And she's like, what? Yeah, and then so that's that's you know our introduction scene. And then he runs out because he's late to the game. So of course, off the bat, we the information I had was all right. So he's supposed to be a ladies' man and kind of an asshole. And um, like and like also, did you notice? And I talked to Kyle about this because like she kept on saying he said the alarm was supposed to go off at nine, and she's like, no, you said nine alarm clock. And I was like, Kyle, I think that that's supposed to mean no alarm clock. And he was like, no, that's not a good translation of German either. That's not what yeah, that means. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, well then. And she, I didn't feel point. like her accent was German either. No, I was I trying to understand that interaction too. I was like, she doesn't <laughs> seem German because I thought of that too. Yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't. And and again, like you said, like who the hell, what professional athlete expects their one night stand to set the alarm for them? Like, I have never. Nope. I have stayed like, I don't over do that for like a <laughs> random job. Like I could babysit. It doesn't make I'd, sense. Yeah. Like, I've stayed over at many a man's house in my life. Never has that man ever been like, oh, I need you to set my alarm clock. I need to be up really early. Right? What the fuck? Like I'm sleeping. And <laughs> if, if like one party has a really orally stressful morning in my experience and you're not a couple or you're not, you know, whatever i i feel like it's more natural to just be like i have a really early morning so like we can't spend the night together yeah that you would know? that would That's make even more sense he should have just like sent he should have like put her in a cab very yeah. politely and paid for that cab yeah exactly like, i just like i was already <laughs> annoyed at him out of the gate and i think the movie wanted you to be but it, like it sets up both protagonists that way where they're both assholes um but man <laughs> yeah 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 um so he so he goes, and then we, and then we're introduced to um, Moira Kelly, whose um, dad is uh, played by Terry O'Quinn, which I thought was really interesting. 
I was like, I wanted more about her dad. <laughs> Terry O'Quinn dad. Like, right. Also, the last time I like watched something with Terry O'Quinn in it, it was like the stepfather where he's like a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so so again, I was thinking about that the whole time. <laughs> you're just waiting for this romantic movie to just have a bunch of hitmen. <laughs> like, I know. Everybody like, looks like a, all the men in everyone it. Everyone looks like a killer. All of the men in it look like they should be on season two of The Wire, <laughs> which is the white season. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah okay so like, yeah so like it, the her trainer or whatever it's the 19 it's the 1988 olympics uh season or something something anyway it, like her the dude that's supposed to be training her is just like i need your i need to see your ass in the air i want to see your ass in the air and like she doesn't like the guy that she's skating with and she doesn't think that he he's bas- she's basically like he's not strong enough to get me in the air he's not doing what he needs to do i'm doing what i need to do and then uh, you know all the she's just like surrounded by men being dicks to her so she just like oh you want to see my ass and then she just like shows her and then she just shows her ass while she's skating and it's hilarious it's I funny it. yeah yeah and i will say like this movie <laughs> She she is insufferable a lot of the time, but they I like that the script gives her a lot of good lines. Like she's a legitimately cutting character. Like she's an asshole, but she's really whipped. Like she has a good wit, and she's pretty like she's pretty good at cutting into people. And the like thing about she holds her own. The thing about this, so a lot of her issues are that like you know she she's a perfectionist and she's like kind of like a prima donna and she's like rich and she's snobby and she no one's good enough for her but uh, but also the thing is and i've been realizing this lately um just by watching stuff like for example stick it which is one of my favorite movies which is about gymnastics and um watching i Tanya, and like between watching stick it and i Tanya and other stuff like that i realized that like these the jobs that these women do like this like these sports are incredibly hard and people don't treat them like the work that they do is incredibly hard but then at the same time they work them to death they yell at them they're just rude and like unsympathetic and i just personally think personally this is just for me that like I think it's really unfair that they're treated that way. And I think that like when these women like have an attitude or they're angry or something, it probably has to do with the fact that everyone's treating them like shit all the time. And then when they get in front of the judges, like I've noticed this with like gymnastics and ice skating, like judges don't just like, uh, they don't just judge on um, how well you do the move. They judge on how you look and the presentation and whether or not and whether you you're likable, whether you're ladylike. And it's yep. just like, it's so much stuff and it's so much stress. And it makes sense to me that she's kind of a bitch. Like, yeah, <laughs> 100%. I think that's so on point. Yeah, because I mean, like, especially since, you know, her <laughs> her main lead is a hockey player who... I, I, yes, this is a stereotype, but hockey players are known for getting violent and basically not not having to filter the way they act. And so there's such an extreme in the way that she's expected to present herself. Um, and and as with most fe- more feminine leaning sports, people tend to underestimate them and make fun of them and claim that those sports are less hardcore somehow because I don't know, people aren't punching each other in the face. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, you, you know, know what I would there's do There's so much misogyny in sports. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would do any sport over doing like gymnastics or ice you could you could not pay me to do gymnastics or ice skating. I would never do it. Never. I <laughs> like. I did gymnastics until I was like fourteen. Isn't um, it hard? It's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time I got like kind of good, I didn't have enough money to keep doing it. Yeah, because it's also like, expensive. It's like yeah. you have to spend your entire life training. Exactly. And the only way that any of it feels worth it is if you make it to the Olympics or like get a bunch of medals. And it's just like it's yeah. so much work for like so little recognition in the end. Exactly. It's so annoying. Like yeah. It's like going to meets like i remember there being 11 like 11 year olds who were training for the olympics you know and they both had to work six days a week they'd be in the gym six days a week and they also had to come for money you know there's just so much there yeah and um, it's just like oh my god so there are just like scenes in this movie where she's just like looking at an empty trophy case where her trophy should be yeah from the olympics and like you know it's like and on one hand it's like 
It's like you can be like, oh, my God, these just like you can act like that's annoying. But it's also just like really sad to stare at an empty trophy case that many times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I exactly. That. I, I did think it was interesting because I feel like in a lot of movies or in a lot of cases, I would roll my eyes. I'd be like, what a hard problem. You know, like, <laughs> when like you're rich, you have like, you know, education and and all of you, know, you have family, everything. Um, but she really doesn't have that much because yes, she has these resources, but she spends her whole life skating and it's not, yeah, it's not like it's other like sports where you can be like, oh, I played soccer for 10 years and I was a forward and we went to, you know, gold division and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, oh yeah, I was a figure skater, but I didn't, I didn't bring anything home and nobody understands it unless they're a figure skater. Um, yeah, like it, it's just like yeah. What what's the point? Like it's it's weird because like I mean, eat the rich, but also like, what's the point of like being wealthy if you can't even like chill the fuck out once in a while? Right? Like, what is even seriously? <laughs> yeah, what is the point if you can't go on vacation? Like she's like not doing anything fun. I'm like, girl, like go go to Europe, <laughs> like do all the stuff that I'm jealous of. Uh, yeah. Oh my <laughs> like, god. We're come just... on, like. <laughs> I pretend to hate on that stuff, but I'm like, no, I totally do it if I had money. Are you kidding? Oh my god! I, yeah. yeah, I feel like, <laughs> like we're jumping around. I'd be like, bye, y'all. Like, I live in the world. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're jumping around so much, but it's also just because, like, I, so there's so much in this movie. Like, I mean, that's how you can tell that it's that it's well written to an extent because there's so much like actual subtext to talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. As to just like, just oh, what's on screen. Like, like, what was the subtext of Leap Year? She... Yeah, there's no... And <laughs> Nothing. That was, and that was one of the things that made Leap Year so boring, is there there weren't really... There wasn't a good enough or rich enough context or a setting of place and character for you to, like, dive into anything beyond the weak plot. Whereas this had enough context that it was interesting to watch, even if you don't like the characters. <laughs> oh, my God. Side note. Uh, when I was, like, writing the copy for Leap Year, you know, for iTunes, I basically yeah. wrote that it's, like, what if what if Bender and Claire from The Breakfast Club were, like, older and really boring and in Ireland? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, yes, that is so on point. <laughs> Um, but Older yeah. and boring and in Ireland, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Um, so uh, this is and this is kind of like a Bender Claire thing, but uh, you know, in in this movie, Bender is really not that smart and doesn't really have that much insight, in my opinion. No, like, like DB Sweeney does not have like he's not changing her life really. Like the the best thing that DB Sweeney really does for her is that like he's the only person who's no, I can't even say that he's the only person that's mean to her because everyone is. He's just yeah, like, he's the only one. He's the only one who's not afraid of her that skates with her. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's that's really it. And it's just like even from the moment that they ram into because that's what the thing they they ram into each other in the beginning of the movie in in 1988, and like she's just like, were you raised in a barn? And then and then he's just like. Honey, where I'm from, we stand for the national anthem. And I was like, all right, whites. All right, whites. Ah. <laughs> Can we chill out? Yeah, no, that was a very Make America Great Again <laughs> moment. Um, I was like, okay, we get it. Like, like, yeah, it's just like, there's so much like red, white, and blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rah, rah, rah stuff in the beginning. And then like, I guess like. Uh, I guess I don't remember it and I don't know if it's shown to us but like she doesn't do well at the Olympics because but like the the thing that we really see is like him him getting knocked in the head during that hockey game yeah and essentially he he loses um part of his peripheral vision uh and uh he <laughs> which is like I don't have peripheral vision so it was it's really interesting just like watching this guy who has it um like sit with this eye doctor and then have to be told that like uh, okay so oh so let's get some lasers like let's there's got to be a surgery and then the doctor's like no and i'm just like this is what i say all the fucking time when people say this to shit to me yeah yeah <laughs> right you're like you're like wow um 
it's almost like I'm represented, except totally not. But yeah, like, it's, it's, al- yeah. it's almost like it's almost like correcting your vision isn't a fucking easy thing to do. And every and the thing on the line is your eyes. Yeah, if it doesn't and go it's well. Better to have <laughs> most of it than none. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. oh my god. So yeah, just uh. I I stuff. Um. So they're basically like, okay, you have a blind spot, which means that you, which means that you can't play hockey. And I was like, well, that makes sense because you don't know if someone's coming up behind you. You don't yeah. know if somebody's gonna ram you in the head again. That makes sense. You can't play hockey anymore. Okay, get over it. Um. But he doesn't. He goes back home to Minnesota, and uh, <laughs> he like. <laughs> He, I don't know, he's still, like, skating in, like, some kind of, like, bar hockey league, which I did not know existed. Me neither. <laughs> I, I, I was immediately, like, I don't know anything about hockey in this. <laughs> huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, like, in, um, <laughs> so it, it's, like, a. So he's got like this brother who's just like, okay, you gotta help at the, uh, you gotta help at the bar, you gotta help with the food and stuff. I think it's like a pub or something that his brother works at, and he's just like, no, like I'm gonna skate, like this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna play hockey. And then the brother's just like, it's over, little brother. And it's like one of those like one of those like speeches, like one of those cheesy speeches that I didn't realize that I missed until like he was doing it, and I was like, yes, yes. Yes, like like oh, you're gonna write off the world. Like, put me on the list, pal. <laughs> like, yes. I was like, yes, this is what I came for. Yes, no, that that confrontation <laughs> was my favorite. Um, when his brother was just like, stop being an entitled asshole and like accept either accept your life or leave me the hell alone. <laughs> yeah, because when he was just like, I'm not a bartender. I was like, oh, I want to kick him in the face. Yeah, and like okay, so then we like and then we like switch back to um Moira Kelly who is like her, her dad and um her her like sk- trainer dude are just like, "Oh, we don't know what to do." Like she doesn't like any of her partners and it's too late to make her a single. But I but I was sitting there just like, "It's too late to make her a single. You knew that she was like this in 1988. Now it's 1992." And so that was like, my thought. I was like, "Why did they make like, her a single right away? Like right after they decided to dump her other partner?" Yeah, it would have made the most sense. I don't know why they're so obsessed with her skating with someone else. It's almost like they don't trust her to be able to do it on her own. And yeah, I thought that was a really huge plot that that uh, plot hole that that wasn't answered because the whole crux of the beginning of the movie is that she's such a good skater they can't find anyone good enough to work with her. But also, she's difficult to work with. Which again, I'm like, if she's that good, yeah, just let just her skate by let herself. Let her do it alone. Yeah, like, she I doesn't want to. Yeah. I I just didn't get it. Um, because. Because part of couple skating is skating well with another person, which is a different skill set than skating alone. Um, anyways, yeah. yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that it, it me. just doesn't make any sense. Like, I just really just wanted her to skate alone. Um, it's 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 very strange. Uh, but uh, so. And then also there's just, like, this, like, undertone of, like, Taming of the Shrew where it's just, like, she's just so much of a bitch that, like, we need to bring a man in to, like, stop her from being such a bitch. Like, yeah. it's, so, it's such a strange thing. It's like, it's, it's like they're, like, insisting on it because they just, like, can't, like, they're just, like, waiting for the right man to, like... Tame her. Yeah, and it's yeah. just, like... I uh, this is see and this I'm is like, why why can't she just be a bitch like yeah I don't, why can't she just be a bitch like I'm I don't fine I don't, with it like I don't get it yeah like I'm like yeah <laughs> she is she is a bitch I will say that like like she is there are moments where she is needlessly cruel and rude but it, again it's just like okay some people are like that <laughs> yeah know? like, like let like, her let her be herself her, like just let her like you want her to be a good athlete that's you didn't sign her you're not. She's not supposed to be a teacher. Like you didn't, or like you didn't send her to finishing school. Maybe that's what you should have done if you were so fucking worried about it. Like yeah, I just or don't. like send her to therapy or have her. <laughs> maybe not having a well-rounded life is part of what's making her so stressed. You know, like you said earlier, all this training. Anyways, yeah, yeah, and so it's just. Yeah, it, it, it's so much like and and you know this you know the the lead that this movie really buries is that for most of this movie she has a boyfriend and it takes a really long time for somebody to mention I was him. really really I felt like I got whiplash when I found out about him and how it felt like the boyfriend was an afterthought and he just kind of got 
hedged in there, even though he is very much a crux of the plot. He and like um, in, uh, the, the thing is, and it's like once again, um, I have to do, I have to once again talk about Leap Year. I can't wait until I have it another is out of our system. Uh, yeah, I have another <laughs> film to reference that isn't Leap Year. Okay, so here's the thing, and this is the same trouble with Leap Year. There is nothing wrong with this guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't see it. Like he's like a snob and whatever, but like he cares about her. He knows her pretty well. There's a scene like later in the movie that really upset me because I was just like, wait, this is the guy that I want. And I didn't know that I wanted to see this preppy guy in this movie until she's like, she's like angry and she's like looking for her. We'll get back to the scene too because there's other stuff that happens, but she's angry and she's looking for her lucky earring and he just like very calmly finds it. And I'm just like, this is a guy who knows her. This is a guy who knows her moods. This is a guy that knows how to take care of her so once again like what is wrong with him yeah and like it's like the only thing that is really overtly dislikable about him is that he's elitist but she is extremely elitist so they make sense yeah like they make sense together like her elitism is never cured she doesn't have a magic moment where she like you know reads some essays about race about i was gonna say race but race as well but about class um and like realizes you know her privilege and and some of the no like she so like the fact that we're supposed to dislike her her boyfriend because for being like her and actually like and he's even more palatable more of a reason because where did he go to school did he go to harvard or something yeah he went to harvard yeah and he has a he has and and he's working overseas um so it's like yeah of course he's gonna be a little elitist but like he has a reason and he's also (laughs) just like and he's also just like very polite to db sweeney too like even in like a scene where he's just like hey you're stressing her out you're mean to her and i don't like it yeah like even even he said that in the most polite way he possibly could yeah he's basically like (laughs) i've heard that you've been kind of an asshole to my to my girlfriend which um, I mean, it's true, but it's also like she's such an asshole to D.B. Sweeney that it's really, are we going to measure that? Um, they are equally assholes to each other. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the way that her boyfriend confronts D.B. Sweeney is like a good boyfriend. Like he has boundaries. He's not being paternalistic, but he is expressing concern because he cares about her. So much like Adam Scott, this is a situation where I'm like, I actually don't understand why I'm supposed to root against this guy. Yeah, there's just no reason. Like, like the only thing that like the only thing that really DB Sweeney gives to her that's different is that he is poorer than her. And that's supposed to be like where And he has more one thing I felt like the movie was trying to do but it didn't do enough is he how much fun he has um with on the ice and he brings this up to her he's like I love skating I don't feel like you do you're so stressed out um which I mean it's annoying the way he says it but he does seem to have a real joy in being an athlete oh yeah he does and when he does and when he asks her like in one of the few times I liked him is when he asked her do you even like to skate yeah (laughs) yeah where he's he's basically like why are you doing this because yeah it is a lot of work and it is stressful but like if you don't get any joy, then don't do it. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, but it's also just like, okay, so this is how their chemistry. Like, I wrote down some things that they said because this is an this is a quotable ass movie. Goddamn, like I kind of wish I could like, I I kind of wish we were one of those podcasts that would like give you clips just because it was just like the thing. Oh, it's that a they very said, quotable movie. Like she's just like they when they when they first shake hands, she's like she doesn't like them, and she's just like, do you do you wash your hands with battery acid? And I was like, God damn! Oh yeah, she's God so damn. brutal. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Oh, so brutal. Oh my god! And then he'll be, and then she'll. I remember one time she's just like, um, he's like he says that he's hungry and she's like, please don't let me keep you from the trough. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah, she's. It's she's all, so good. Honestly, it's delightful. It's delightfully bad. <laughs> like it's delightfully rude. Like the rude lines on both sides, but especially from her, are so well done. I mean, his his rude lines are so like '90s white boy. Like he keeps on calling her sweetheart. He won't stop fucking calling her sweetheart, and I just want to clock him every yeah. single time. Yeah, like at least her. Like at least she's rude in a very specific way. <laughs> like she's thought about it. Like. 
Yeah. <laughs> they have this moment where she's like reading a book and, and she's like, do you know how to read? Which is like <laughs> so rare and like so classes and like, and he's just like, yeah, of course. Like I, I went to college and she's like, what's the last thing you read? And he's like, basic like the letter telling me i didn't have a scholarship and she's like of course well what about high school and he's like i didn't read like i didn't have time they just passed me because i was an athlete and then she's like well what do you think you'd do after being an athlete and he was just kind of like he like shrugged she's like she's like oh i'm surprised you don't just start your own think tank and i was like (laughs) oh (laughs) it was so rude but i kind of loved it uh oh my god she's like a true sign of our times and i was like she's (laughs) such a jerk but like but it was like yeah they i think one thing with db sweeney is i kept waiting for him to have more depth but they like they didn't give it to him so i was like well what what am I supposed to do? Like, she's kind of right about him. Yeah, like, like we don't ever, like, meet his parents yeah. or, like, anything. Like, we don't know. It's just, like, him and his brother. Like, maybe his parents are dead. Like, maybe I missed that in dialogue. But there's just, like, nothing about him. He just basically, like, when he shows up, he kind of just, like, starts, like, living to serve Moira Kelly, like, in a way where, you know, he everything that he does is like a function of her and it's just like it's it's weird because like we spend so much time with him but like it doesn't reveal a whole lot yeah like we don't get like i mean because maura maura kelly and db sweeney are both rude you know in that sense it's not i'm not upset that she ends up falling for him i'm not as upset as i could be but I just don't feel like the movie gives us enough about him. And I feel like with her, even though she is one note in a lot of ways, they do give us a little context, you know, like her mom's not alive anymore. Um, and her mom was a skater. And her mom was a skater. And so there's this pressure from her dad um, and this this feeling of inadequacy there. Like there's context for her and the way she is. Um, whereas with him, like we, we do get to see his brother and I like his brother and I wish his brother was in the movie more cause that gives more texture to him. But, but like even the moments with him and Moira Kelly where it's supposed to establish a vulnerability and a depth, it's like him giving her a Jersey that means a lot. Um, that's from a famous player and then her giving him a book and she gives him, <laughs> she gives him fucking great expectations by Charles Dickens and this is Christmas. They're exchanging gifts. And I died just because even if he didn't read any books in high school, you know that that was on a reading list for him in either high school or college. Like, oh, yeah. Like, n- there's no way he doesn't know what this book is. And he's completely like, wow, okay, cool. Like, I don't know what... Tr- like, he knows who Charles Dickens is. She, like, that it, felt it's, offensive it's so, to me. It's so wild because, like... He, like, gives her, like, a treasured keepsake of his. Yes. Yes. It's, like, it's a jersey he's had for 15 years, and it's a famous player, and it's, like, from one of their games. And it's very emotionally charged. And she gives him a book, which is kind of condescending. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, it's, it's like, a bad gift. Um, Like, and I mean, like, but I don't know what I expected from the couple. Like, there, like, there are scenes where, <laughs> did you remember the scene where he just, like, dropped her on her ass? Yeah. I was yeah. just, like. Um, and it's it's so weird because it's like so like high school like you know what it made me think of oh my god i can't believe i'm saying this y'all are about to figure out how much of a nerd i am uh it made me think of like inuyasha because <laughs> it's just like this guy who like really obviously likes this girl but like his way of like expressing it is by being a dick most of the time and then being heartfelt in like these like scattered instances and i'm just like man the fuck up like i yeah. just <laughs> yeah and it's like and, and if and if your issue is she's mean most of the time which is fair maybe just don't like <laughs> yeah maybe just don't go for her like they're both characters that are very emotionally stunted like they're they're adults but they don't know how to access complicated emotions or they don't know how to express them that's for sure so her default is being mean and his default is being smug um and they just seem like they would be an insufferable couple uh, to be around to each other. Like on the ice, they make sense because their tension kind of helps with their practice and their athletic chemistry. But 
again, I mean, I, I said this earlier, the movie never really gives you, it gives you these moments where they exchange gifts, but there's never a scene, there's never a full scene like most rom-coms of this nature have where they're just like falling for each other or, yeah. or they're just connecting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, cause it's like the, cause like the plot, like, I mean, it's weird because like, it, it's a way of saying that like, there's a lot of forward momentum in the plot. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why, but not taking that time just makes everything seem rushed in general. Like, and, and like finally, and, and yet it still takes forever to reveal the boyfriend, which um gave, Gave us one of D.B. Sweeney's maybe a few of his like only good lines, in my opinion, where he's just like, bet you look pretty good from a thousand miles away. <laughs> yeah, that was wow. brutal. That was so good. Wow. It's just like, oh, you're, it's like just this idea, like your boyfriend's long, long distance because he can't stand you, which is like not actually true. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this is just him trying to be hurtful. And honestly, before we actually met the boyfriend, I kind of assumed that he was cheating on her or something and we would find that out. Like I assumed like, oh, he's long distance. He's going to come back. He cheats on her. And it's also going to add more depth to her because we're going to know part of why she's unhappy. But then he ended up being nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you just have a boyfriend who loves you who's far away and you're both busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's yeah, it's just, it's like this movie is, it has a lot of smart lines. I like the idea of the plot. Um, it's a very specific plot, and I really appreciate that. It's just there's never a scene or enough collective moments for you to believe that these characters fall in love with each other. Um, um, yeah, I mean, the scene, like, it really only becomes crystallized when the boyfriend shows up. Because essentially, like, there's the scene where they're, like, trying to decide what to skate to. And he's just, like, rock music. And she's, like, classical music. And they keep on just turning it. Like, just, like, yeah. it's very, it's, it's a very, like, almost, it's very classic in the way that they, in the way that that scene plays out. Where it's just, like they are directly opposed to each other in these exact ways. And meanwhile, the boyfriend's just like, I need to sleep. I have things to do tomorrow. I don't understand why the two of you are acting like children. And I think that also in that moment, in like credit to this actor, he's just like, there's something going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like, of course, Mora, Mora's character has never drank, which makes a lot of sense. She's been training to be a figure skater her whole life. Um, and D.B. Sweeney drinks a lot. Um, you know, his brother owns a bar and he's a hockey player. So there's these stereotypes, but they also make sense. Um, and so basically there's a scene where, I mean, as evidenced by the first scene of D.B. Sweeney, he's supposed to be kind of a, an asshole ladies man. So they, they go to competition, they go to nationals, and there's a, a moment where they encounter Moria's, Moria's old, uh, I don't know why I'm like garbling her. I'm garbling words today. No, <laughs> like, it's okay. I've been, I've been doing it too. <laughs> um, her old skating partner and, and his current figure skating partner meet with um, D.B. Sweeney and Moria. More, more, oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Anyways, they see each other. And then... Um, Later, D.B. Sweeney ends up hooking up with their com competing woman figure skater. And, of course, like, that's a bad look. It's like, dude, you can hook up with anyone, but are you really going to hook up with the woman who's now skating with your skating partners? Yeah, it's, it's, I, like, it's, that, it's, it's bad behavior. And, like, to act like she that she's out of line for being mad about that is, is strange. Like, I mean, it, I mean, partially it's because she likes him, but it's also just like, it's, it's a bad, it's not professional. No. And you. that was what I was thinking. I was like this outside of however you guys feel about each other, this is just unprofessional and unnecessary there. You could find so many other people to hook up with yeah, that I mean, would not like, be her. You know, like a guy that looks like DB Sweeney in the nineties. Yeah. I'm sure he, he did fine. Yeah. Like he did. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, these are just like all signs of trouble. Um, 
and uh, the boyfriend proposes because I, I think he proposes because he actually wants to marry her, but I also think he pro- proposes because he thinks that he's going to lose her, which is fair because yeah. he ends up losing her. Yeah. Um, and he kind of figures, well, like if she wants to marry me, like all also it's a way to find out how she really feels about him. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, either way, like, he's going to get what he needs. If he, if she actually does want to marry him, he gets, you know, to be with the woman that he loves for the rest of his life. But if she doesn't, then he gets to know for sure and be yeah, able to move and on. and move on. Exactly. Yeah, like, I just, like, I, I know that, like, things like this are sometimes framed as manipulative in this movies, in these movies, and sometimes they are. But, it, like, if he really loves you, like, it, it's like, it, marriage doesn't have to be... This gigantic, like, weddings, they don't have to be this gigantic thing. Sometimes it's just like, oh, it's about time. And, yeah. like, that really can be enough. Like, I don't really... <laughs> yeah, and and it doesn't feel manipulative. They don't, they never establish how long they've been together, but it, it definitely feels like it's a relationship that's been going for a few years, and they know each other really well. So with that, the proposal feels, like, very normal, healthy timing. And she says yes... And then when she finds out that D.B. Sweeney hooked up with that that figure skater, she gets really angry. And her boyfriend is like, why are you so angry? Like, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. And then her boyfriend's like, you totally have feelings. And they end up breaking up yeah, at, it's at like, the competition. And like, oh my, and the stuff between <laughs> like when she first gets engaged, like D.B. Sweeney's super angry about it, which like he has no real right to be. And like he has that he has that line where he's like, "Take off the rock, it's cutting the hell out of my." Head. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, dramatic." Can I mean, it probably chill? is. You yeah. probably shouldn't wear your ring while you're figure skating, but also, like, dude. Yeah, I <laughs> really? mean, oh my god. So, like, a screenplay note is uh, the way that they use the term foreplay. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was like, it made me realize, oh, yeah, this is like a screenplay. This is like after, this is like during the whole, like, l- after he finds her lucky earring, after she's just like stressing out and like tearing up the place. And she's just like, and this, and she is, okay, so in that scene, like, not only, like, I, I already talked about like how sweet it was that I think that he like found the earring and was like able to calm her down. Cause I think that's really sweet. Um, and I wish I would like to see more scenes like that, movies like this, where it's like, where like the emotional scenes are like, I know you, yeah, kind of stuff instead of just like this like gigantic gestures that like don't actually mean, mean anything. anything. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's those everyday moments where one person is feeling stress and the other one's able to handle it that make a good relationship. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he. <laughs> She, when she's freaking out at first, she's just like, you know what? I knew that this wasn't going to work. I need my own room. You need to go get another room. Like, the way that she yelled, I was like, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Girl. Like, I was like, this dude is calm as hell. Like, I don't know. Like, even... Like even the mildest boyfriends would be like, "Look, <laughs> like you need to, this you need to treat me better." Like <laughs> what the hell? Um, but yeah, he was like, "All of your arguing, you know what it sounds like? Foreplay." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna come back, isn't it?" Because just the way that he said it, it was it was it so was emphasized. <laughs> and this and this movie does have a lot of quotable lines, so I felt like it was intentionally set up so that the audience would know, okay, this is coming back. Foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. Foreplay. Um, and then um, D.B. Sweeney brings up foreplay, which I can't remember in what context. So basically one of their skates um, at competition, they do really well, but they don't get the scores they feel they deserve because the judges have favorites. So um, D.B. Sweeney's really angry. So is Mora. And he ends up going to a bar and she ends up drinking with him and it's her first time drinking and she has a bunch of shots and they dance um and like he carries her back to her room and like i think it's like at the door or something he brings up foreplay but it's not actually supposed to be in a sexual way it's like they're arguing or something i could be getting this wrong um and yeah what is it Oh, I can't remember the line he says, but it's another instance. It's very emphasized, but it's not about sex. But she makes a face at him because. Oh she's yeah, I think that he's. I think that she's. I think that it's like yeah, it's related to like skating or something. Yeah, but yeah. I don't remember exactly <gasps> oh, what it was. Um, 
he talks about how frustrating it is that they have to stay like a night or two and do a few different days of competition. And he wishes it was like hockey where you just have one game. He's like, I don't, I don't appreciate all this foreplay with a competition. I wish we could just do it. Just get to it. Just oh yeah. Get to it, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, um uh, yeah. And Actually, this is before they're drunk. Sorry, I'm. I'm oh, you yeah, no, no, no. But it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so like they they skate. Um, they skate and they do fine, but the judges give them really low marks, which is once again, oh my god, it made me think of moments in Stick It and I Tanya, and also maybe like I keep on mentioning these two movies, and like you know one was like you know somebody won an Oscar from it. If you want to watch something fun that addresses this stuff, watch Stick It. If you want to watch something that people have said is fun, and I don't really think is that fun, watch I Tanya. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, they but they both they both have those scenes where it's just like the judges are basically being biased on things that they can't control. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's very real. Um, and yeah, they 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 have this drunk scene, and then she. This is the day after uh, Mora and her fiance have broken up, and so she. And she's drunk for the first time, you know, oh and of man, course her she, tolerance. Oh, she is a mean drunk. And she drunk. is so drunk. And of course, you know, D.B. Sweeney's drunk, but he's used to it. And, you know, he has a higher tolerance. He's And he's like a bigger dude than she is, you know, of course. So there's all these factors. And she basically is like, let's hook up. And he's like, no, no, no. He doesn't even know she's broken up yet. So he's like, no, what about, you know, your boyfriend slash fiance? And she's like, we broke up. And he's like, still, like, you're drunk. Let's not do this. Like you're like I'm actually proud of him in this scene because he shouldn't hook up with her. She's obviously way more drunk than him. Yeah. Day after a breakup. Like there's eight million red flags. Um, she gets really angry at him. And he's like, No, it's not personal. Like, I just know this isn't the right time. Um, she gets really angry at him and kicks him out of her room. But then as he's going to his room, the female figure skater he's hooked up with hits him up and he ends up hooking up with her. The next morning, we see Maura Kelly hungover. She has the sunglasses on, which I was oh, like, Oh, man, nice I loved touch. her in those sunglasses. I love that. I love the hangover look. Um, yes. And then she goes to knock on his door and she's going to apologize. She has that hangover shame. And then, of course, she sees the other female figure skater. So she gets super angry. Um, and they have a confrontation after the female figure skater leaves where she's basically just like, fuck you. I was going to apologize, but you're a scumbag. And he's like, dude, you were engaged. Like, he's like, you were engaged and you treated me like shit. Why should I get excited because you got drunk once and wanted, you know, to hook up, which I mean, fair point. Yeah. He, yeah, no, those are fair points all around. And I'm like, I'm glad that he didn't make a move on her. Cause it just, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been right. And it wouldn't have felt right. And I think that he knew that like, he's one of those guys who's like kind of a bro, but he like stops like before, you know, he's like a, on the teetering on this kind of bro, you know, you know how yes. those bros that are just like, they're skeevy, but like if you, if but if they you, still have like a code, they have a moral code. Like he like, has a moral code. Yeah. Like he's, he's broy, but he's not going to take advantage of someone. He's not rapey. He's not like, like he, he can contextualize. Like yeah. he likes casual sex, but he's not, he doesn't actually seem like he's overtly manipulative. He just seems like he, you know, is a flirt. He's been a popular athlete. He takes advantage of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was glad. I was also glad that the movie didn't force that scene and then make us put the viewers in a position where we're supposed to be excited that they had drunk sex. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad <laughs> they didn't go that way. Like that. Um, so, uh, so they skate and because like it's after they fought and there's so much tension, they don't do a good job. Um, and so you think that they're going, so they think that they're not going to make it to the Olympics. And that's when we have the scene, um, with Terry O'Quinn, where she's just like talking about how, yes, I have been a bitch. Yes, I have been this way. And sometimes I've done it on purpose. And sometimes I've done it because I was frustrated. And, you know, I just kind of wish that we could go back and, you know, if we... Like she's basically just like I, I feel like I feel like I'm your employee 
And like she has this line where she's just like, win or lose, you know, I, I, I could still be your daughter. And like it's just like essentially her being like, you know, this this went too far. Like I didn't worry enough about my emotional health. You didn't worry enough about my emotional health. And we both like fostered this relationship and this kind of like toxicity that we really like didn't address. And I mean, it's interesting. Like I really liked her speech there. I do kind of wish that there we talked more about that because so much of the movie is just like, she's a bitch. And it's like, in that scene, it's like, it's more complicated than that. I mean, it's weird because it's a scene where she's, a, where she's basically saying, yes, I'm a jerk. But like, it's also just, she's giving context for why. And I think it's good context. Me too. And I, and I, I was frustrated that I felt like that never got resolved. Yeah. I don't think um, it got resolved with her either. father. And, and like, he acknowledges his complicity, but not really. He doesn't really go in depth. It's mostly her speaking. And then, um, yeah, I just, I, I agree with you there because I do think so much of the movie is hammering in the fact that she's mean. Um, and I also think it's interesting that the movie is hammering in the, in that she's mean, but DB Sweeney's also a jerk. Yeah. Um, and the movie, Makes that clear, but it also doesn't hammer it in. It's not no. It's not like everyone's going around being like he's an asshole. Yeah. Like whereas with her, everyone's like she's an asshole, and I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. It, it, what it seems like is that this, and I hate like yeah, here I go the feminist. I think that this movie uh, has a larger dislike for women being mean than it does for men being mean. Like it seems to be more forgiving. Yes. Of men being cruel and like, you know, and just like doesn't really afford women. Her, yeah, that. does not afford women like the same space to be as mean as the men are. Yeah, because like he, like because they do make DB Sweeney more like he has a sense of humor and he's like they make him more likable in that sense. Like they like she's funny. Like she's cruel and funny. And I feel like if they let her laugh and not just be mad all the time. Like if she was a jerk but she got to express the same smugness as DB Sweeney, yeah. then like she would be a more likable character even in her jerkness. But they just had to make her this really really uptight and she can't take a joke and she's mean. And it, that that did feel hella sexist and like Yeah. 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 So, um, so uh, I mean, essentially, uh, you know, they they make up and on the ice, you know, they profess their love to each other, and then they have this like one of the best skating scenes ever because it's like the skating scene of love, and like you can tell they want to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie doesn't have it has a lot of scenes of them practicing, but it doesn't really let you see anything in competitions. Yeah, I was yeah I was gonna get into that, and when it does shoot the skating, like they do it in like this like shaky like moving like, I hate it moving cam that I hate because it's like. When when Such skating, we need wide shots. I want to see the actual skating and the way that the editing is done and the cinematography is done. It like it makes it impossible for us to really see what's going on. And it's really only in this last scene that we get to see even a little bit of it. And it feels like they just didn't get stunt people. That's what it feels like. Yeah, like they just couldn't afford really good skaters for stunt people because otherwise, like that's one of the reasons people watch. Um, movies about figure skating or gymnastics specifically because they're such interesting sports to watch. Yeah. Um, I want to see the the competition scene. Um, so that was a disappointment to me. Um, but yeah. I agree with you that the um, that that also makes the last scene stand out more. Yeah, and you know he has that line because you know it has to kind of end on like a kind of like a dickish line where he's just like where she's like because I did something because I love you and he's just like just remember that I said it first and I'm just like all right <laughs> again like they're insufferable like I know if they were together he would cheat on her and she would be completely controlling before he cheated um yeah and they would be a horrible toxic couple and they would be awful like can they you imagine inviting them out with they the should friends not be together like this is they, a blink like, like i like they i would kind just of be fighting the whole time <laughs> i kind of wish like the you know those thing in like aristocratic films and like um and like uh um 
costume dramas where like we're like a member of the aristocracy will like have like a beautiful fling but they'll just end up just like marrying a rich person in the end and they just like remember it fondly i yes. kind of want that to happen with her and her ex-fiance i <laughs> love that i totally love that yeah and i like hate she, wanting that but i do i know it feels gross to want it but yeah like where <laughs> she just kind of like dates db sweeney for six months and then they break up and she ends up going back to her ex like changed you know yeah it is just like um, she's a little bit B. B. nicer Sweeney, like goes back to being a player or whatever um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's like she's a little bit nicer you know she's a little she's lost a little bit of her edge and she's just like ready to settle down and like it's just like you know it, it could be like it also be like the end of la la land where she just like where where, <laughs> where emma stone is just like oh look at this man that i used to love okay ready to go <laughs> Right? <laughs> no, for reals. For reals. I keep just thinking of the sequels that I would write for these movies that we cover. <laughs> like, I don't actually really want to write the sequels. It's just, like, how these relationships would actually pan out. <laughs> if it was a series or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. We should do something with that. I yeah. We should do something. But, yeah. Uh, the Cutting Edge. Yeah, don't. Um, I mean, you know, you know what? Do you know? What? Yeah, watch I it. think just watch it. Just watch it. Like it's it's not going to it's not going to change your life. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it might. Maybe it'll make you want to be a skater. Like I don't know your life. Yeah. Um, like hey, maybe this is really going to speak to you. Uh, but it's an enjoyable movie experience with a couple that is unconvincing. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. And it's like you know, made by dudes who know how to make movies and just don't know how to make romance. Yeah, like they have a male protagonist that's like a horny smug asshole, and they have a female protagonist that they that they don't really understand they don't understand and every time they let you understand her they pull it back and you have to go back to her one note performance um and oh yeah. and i should also point out that this movie um has three sequels um, oh right yes oh man the, the i don't want to see those but i probably will watch them. the cutting edge two and three like the first and they're made with different actors right they do i mean well the cutting edge two stars christy carlson romano who played um like ren stevens and she did the voice on even stevens and she did the voice for kim possible oh i am very familiar with her as an even stevens head yes she i love her so like i don't know maybe one day like i might watch the cutting edge two just to see because like uh I mean, Ren Stevens is like a bitchy skate. Also, she plays she plays the daughter of D.B. Sweeney and Maura Kelly. Like that's who oh her that is. oh that's oh shit. Okay, I have to watch <laughs> it. I have to watch it because uh, Ren Ren is the perfect. Ren is the perfect character to cross over to be their child. Oh yeah, it's 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 perfection. It's it's perfect casting. Um, yeah, I don't, I can't speak to the quality of the other three movies. Maybe watch the one with with Christy Carlson Romano because I mean, just like appreciate her. She's great. Yeah, she is great. Um, but yeah, I I you know, and of course there are two movies that I kept on mentioning through this entire episode, which are which are Stick It and I Tanya. I think that you should definitely see Stick It because not enough people have. Um, we can't do it on this show because it's not really a romance. Um, yeah, but uh, it's 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 a movie that I think is really underrated. It's it's written and directed by the woman who wrote Bring It On. So like it's it's that it, vouches yeah. immediately. And it's like and it's like super funny and it's really honest about gymnastics and yeah, it's very like white feminism, but it also has like a very like it has like a really fun soundtrack with just like interesting hip hop and like Missy Elliott and like it's just a good time. And also the trainer, um, the gymnastics trainer that they have is played by Jeff Bridges. Which yes. <laughs> and yes, Which please. Is, yes. Sign me up. Yes. <laughs> Here for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just we just really needed like a palate cleanser. <laughs> we did. We really did. We were like, we'll get back to the the really really bad ones next week but we just needed to you know skate into a different territory for a minute yeah and um you know moira kelly i you know girl i really hope that you're one of those actresses that like gets gets a role gets like a really good role like at this point in her career and then everybody can be like oh yeah you know somebody can write one of those pieces where it's just like, like a kelly, long really profile underrated. on like how she's been wronged yeah, yeah i, I, I want to know i, I want to write that profile actually i want to <laughs> know how she's doing yeah i think that she's great um She's, I mean, she's not in Firewalk with me a lot. I mean, and also um, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me is very much like the Cheryl 
Rowley show. It's like a very powerhouse performance for her. But like, you know, also just watch Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, just like, what? It's great. It, it is. It's a great movie. It's I, de- I it's admittedly have not seen the new Twin Peaks, but I rewatched the old Twin Peaks recently and, of course, Firewalk with me. And I think you should watch Firewalk with me. Um, it's Yeah, it's one of the most, like, it's an incredibly depressing movie that I just, I love watching. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watch Firewalk with me. Watch Cutting Edge. Um, watch stick it. Watch stick it. I'm. I kind of assume everyone listening has seen Itania. Not not because everyone has, but just because it's recent. It's huge. Um, it's like it's, it's like a I mo- mean Margot Robbie kills it. Uh, she does. Alice and Janney for life. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, see Itania if you haven't already, because everyone's still talking about it. So see it, so you can be part of the conversation. But also like um, prepare yourself because like I know like it depends on who you are, but like for me. Like, all of the abuse was hard for me to watch. I thought that Margot Robbie was great, but it was, like... So, just, like, trigger warning for, yeah. like, constant domestic abuse. There is a lot. And the way the movie does it is interesting. It, it makes decisions, and I, I can respect that, but it's also hard to... The way it's stylized um, can be unsettling um, because it... Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole nother podcast worth of conversation but you should still see it um and please please rate us on itunes leave us comments follow us on twitter tweet at us uh give us your thoughts about the cutting edge or other movies we've covered or movies you'd like us to cover because that does help us make our decisions um yeah we like talking to you so yeah yeah, take care of yourself i've been bronwyn isaac jordan searles Bye. Bye.